Hi there, Glocal citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, coming to you live, well, not so live by the time you hear this, but from New York City, from Brooklyn. I am back stateside for holiday sojourns with the family. You know, it's the festive season, the time of reflection. And so I'm really happy to have been able to run into my next guest. We happen to be on the same flight on the way back, and she has stopped over in the UK. And here I am in Brooklyn. It's a rainy Saturday morning. And uh, it feels a little bit like my UK experience. I stopped over there on the way. So here we are. And so let's get right to it. My next guest is an award-winning documentary producer and reporter with nearly a decade of international experience. She has produced video content for NGOs, media organizations, and multinationals across West Africa. Her first feature-length documentary, as lead producer and reporter, My Stolen Childhood, received the Association International Broadcasting, that's AIB, award for best documentary in the human interest category. She has featured on several international media networks, including CNN, CBS, BBC, Huffington Post, and the Marie Claire Magazine. In November 2018, she was featured as part of the BBC's 100 Women Women series. Brigitte Susu Parini, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So glad, so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're so happy to have you. And did I pronounce your surname properly? Brigitte Susu Parini. Okay, I, I did I did pretty well, right? You did well. You did yeah. you did yes. really well. But yes. you, you say it with the French flair, which gives us yeah. a little bit of an indication of some of your background. So so tell us where are you from? Where are you local? And what is your craft? Okay, so I love to say I was born in Togo to a Togolese Beninese parents. Lived in Ghana for some time, grew up in the U.S., Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I am currently in living in England, north, north, north of England. But as I'm speaking to you, I am in London for the weekend. And so, um, yes. And what is my craft? I love documentary, story producing, directing. Um, I'm basically in charge of the story. I'm, I'm a bit controlling when it comes to storytelling I have to say so I work from pre-production to post and um, just guiding and leading the story with the team so Mm. that's my craft Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so how how did you come into that as your craft like what inspired you to be in that space well it wasn't really what inspired me but more so who believed in me, right? Mm. Um, yes, I came across Emmanuel um, Etim in 2017. Mm-hmm. And he just thought, I'm this brilliant woman and he can see some kind of craftiness in me. And so he gave me the opportunity to work with his company. And I was with him for four and a half years and just doing everything, even learning equipment. So 
as I started working with him and I started growing in the industry, I realized two years ago, he realizes that maybe I should try my hands on directing and like being in charge of the storytelling and of the story. So I started directing and I quite really love it. I found out later on as I was learning and growing that I love storytelling and I now call it my purpose because if, if you meet me on the street, in a pub, anywhere, you talk about story, even if I'm tired, I have one hour of sleep, I would just like come alive, right? And I love talking about stories and human interest stories to be specific, right? Mm-hmm. The ones that talk about that create stories on people, people's lives, people's companies, people's industries. I've led many projects and productions that having to deal with developments and social change, right, with organizations. So I just, I've been inspired by the person who believed in me, the team that I've worked with, the stories that we've told, and the talents and the people that I've met throughout my career so far. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about some of the the projects that you've worked on in your years working with Refine Creative. And that's that's how we actually intersect. So you all heard a name, Emmanuel Tim, who was one of my first, if not my first, one of my first guests on the podcast. So now almost two years ago, I guess it's by now it's two years. Two years ago we started and he was one of my first guests. And so that's how we cross paths. So I've worked with Brigitte on different projects um, for children's content, which was very exciting. And so I want to understand more about some of those projects, but also more about your story, because I think that that probably, I don't think you've mentioned it, but I think that probably might've been a little bit of the inspiration with some of the people that you interacted with. So tell us, you know, I mentioned in, in the introduction that you, your film, My Stolen Childhood was an award-winning film. So give our listeners a little bit of some background around that film. Okay. That film is a personal story led by me. I was on the production team. I was also clearly the subject of of the story. You know, I I was part of the Chokoshi practice uh, as a child. And when I came out of it, I always knew I wanted to tell my own stories I coined the narrative, the, the phrase of saying, controlling your own narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Controlling your own narrative. Mm-hmm. I've always been saying that. And what led to that is because of this inspiration to produce my own story, to narrate it in a way that is dignifying to me, mm-hmm. that I am proud of, mm-hmm. and that I am more in control of than other people. And so when... The idea came about in 2016. We actually pitched the, the story to Code for Africa and the European Journalism Center. That's, that's where the seed funding came from. And after we got the funding to, to do the filming, the team came out with thought about a bigger idea for the story because of the way we told it, because of the way I narrated it. Mm-hmm. And so we pitched it to the BBC, Channel 4 News, and I think another media company in England. So BBC was interested and I had a talk with the executive producer. We told her the idea for the story. I have to be part of it. I need to be part of the edit because it's my story and I want to have control 
of how the story is told because the Chokoshi practice story or news, if you Google it right now, it has always been told by the priests, the people in charge of the shrine's perspective. Mm. And I felt like a voice was not given to the women as much as it should have because the women were taken in their abuse, misuse. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I felt a woman or any um, women from that practice, from that system, should be able to narrate their story from their perspective, how they were treated, how their experience going through the shrine, right? And so that was my goal and that was my undying, like dying wish, right? And I was given a great team. I had a great team that understood that, a team that understood that people with lived experience should have collaborative process with the people with professional experience when it comes Mm. to storytelling. Mm -hmm. And because I believe a story told with the people whose stories are being told, if they collaborate really well, the stories are stronger. Yeah. Because we you have the opportunity for the audience to connect with the with the person, with the character in a very personal way when they are in charge of narrating or producing their own stories. And so that's how my stolen childhood came about. We did not have a name for it during post-production because we just didn't know what name to give it, right? And we didn't come up with a name till the last days of edit. I kid you not. Oh, wow. We came up with this. Yes, the last days of edit. My stolen childhood, I believe, encompasses what happened to me as a child. Mm-hmm. My childhood was taken away when I was taken from my parents by my own uncle and put into a shrine basically to live there and die because the practice is such that when a child is given up, there's no way in time down the line where the child or the girl is removed from the shrine, taken back home. It doesn't. In theory, research on the practice in theory, it says you serve for some time, five years, 10 years. That is not in practice. In practice, the child, the girl child is left there for the rest of her life. Wow. Um, and so in 1997, Christiana Mampo of CNN, she came into Ghana and wanted to do her own personal story. The story has been told by uh, local media, international media. But as we know, Christian just likes to do go and do stories on on with her own experience and her mm-hmm. own um, way of doing stories. So she decided to come to Ghana to do this, to produce um a video on the story and I just happened to be caught on her camera when she was filming in the community mm-hmm. and she asked you know who is this little girl is she one of the the girls in this shrine and she was told yes so when that documentary CBS um sorry 60 minutes was produced it was aired in around the world and in America clearly so my now adoptive father saw the video and decided to help with my release from the shrine and then adopted me. And in 99, I left the continent. Mm. So when in 2017, I saw that original CBS on YouTube with an email address underneath. And so I 
sent an email to that address and I said, you know, I'm the little girl in the video. I just want to thank you for, you know, producing this video because because of this video, I am now a master's degree holder. And somebody replied and said, I was the producer on this, this, the video. Do you mind me forwarding your email to Christian? And I said, of course not. You know, I just want to thank her for, you know, producing this video because of this video. I'm now as the master's degree holder. I'm now, you know, part of society and, you know, my future is bright. And so when Christian got back to me, it was around the time where she was producing uh, a new series called Sex and Love Around the World. Right. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, with ZPZ. Mm-hmm. And so she said, oh, my team and I are producing this series. We've been, we've been trying to figure out which African country to go to, to film. But since you are in Ghana, it would be a great opportunity to, to reunite with you and then perhaps film a Ghana episode, right? And so Refined Creative was the company, the production company that was the, the uh, fixer company for ZPZ, mm-hmm. you know, on the production that Christian was doing with our team. And so when I had the interaction with Christian, Emmanuel was contacted and then he contacted me. And that's how I came across, you know, cross paths with him. It was because I was going to sit with Christian, I needed to meet with him because they need to know everybody that's going to be sitting down with Christian. Mm-hmm. Even though I told them clearly, I just want to meet her, have coffee with her, thank her for the documentary she did, you know, with, with um, 60 Minutes. So uh, they were like, well, even if you just want to say hi... <laughs> <laughs> we still need to know <laughs> we, need, we still need to vet you so I was like okay no problem yeah. so um Emmanuel and I had a scheduled a meet a meeting and then um I met with him told him my life story and he was just like I'm gonna do more than that I'm gonna do more than just talk to you as some you know character person who's gonna sit down with Christian and possibly be in this documentary series I'm going to offer you a job. I looked at him and I was like, you're mad. Like, what are you talking about? I don't, <laughs> I know he's going to laugh when you hear this part, but I was like, what are you talking about? I never studied film. What is storytelling? Um, I just knew that I always want to tell my story. Like, dude, what are you, what are you saying? So, but I was eager, you know, I was eager to learn. I was eager. I was really I just finished my master's degree so I was just like exploring the world and like what I wanted to do because I didn't really wanted to go into NGO world mm-hmm. um 100% mm-hmm. per se mm-hmm. and what did you first, what did you study for your master's international relations and human rights okay mm-hmm. yes um the first week first month first six months with with refined creative was hell <laughs> was was just me trying to figure it out yeah. and he let me do everything from website editing to assisting the production to writing scripts to not knowing what I'm doing mm-hmm. every single day mm-hmm. to someone who started traveling with him being the one in charge of like the story edits, the story production, the research, the 
questions that we, you know, and then conducting the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, it was him and I for for some time, almost two years, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. or the three. And so he will he will film, and I I conduct the interview and um, put together, and then we come back and I put together the rough drafts, the mm-hmm. rough rough edits of mm-hmm. the sound bites, just string the sound bites on the sequence. That's what I knew how to do. Sure. <laughs> and then I hand it to him or you know another editor to um, polish. So Got yes. It. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. So you, yeah, you've been through, and, and this is kind of the story of working in production, right? Like it's, yeah. it's to your benefit to be able to go through the arc of all of the roles so that you have a better concept of how the story comes together to be that storyteller. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Wow. Okay. So you in the midst of, so the meet and greet with Christian happened at the, as you were finishing your documentary or before? So interestingly, I met up with her on a on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that same day, we left Accra to start filming. Okay. Because for my documentary, we filmed not only in Ghana, we filmed right. in Togo as sure. well. Sure. So it was the production the, the, that same day, the seventeenth. I want to say seventeenth June, twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we left to to film so mm-hmm. my camera crew like the team was actually around when i met with her okay yeah yeah because it's in the it's in it yeah, yeah everything was happening at the same time sure you know sure, sure. yeah 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 but i i like what you said about being a storyteller of your own story and and how the trocosi stories are usually from the perspective of the shrine because when I watched your documentary, seeing the stories of the women was what like took my breath away just in terms of understanding like, oh my gosh, like these women, this was their lives. And it was of, you know, and the the title of My Stolen Childhood is so fitting because that is exactly what happens to these young girls is that they they lose themselves. So Thank you so much for shining that particular light on on this story because it was it was very impactful and and it is as you said you know that you have this blessing that you were able to leave and and come back but but your gift is to show the world that this is still happening and even though it's not happening it's still something that you know some of our traditional practices are just so detrimental to children to children and women yeah. Yeah. women and children yeah. yes yeah, I just felt, you know, um, because I know a lot of people um, with the FGC practice. Mm. Who and so like, FGC for you folks is um, female genital mutilation. Cutting. Cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, some of the women I've met, they prefer cutting to cutting. mutilation. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I okay. use cutting. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, um, the, the letting the storyteller... <laughs> tell their story yes exactly so one of the women that I've met she went through it and she's able to still advocate for it but for me I'm not one of those people who can or will want to advocate for the trokoshi practice because of the complexity of the practice Mm -hmm. but what I really wanted to give like you rightly said give to the world is sharing my story Mm -hmm. because I am in charge of my story. 
they took they took my childhood away but like it was given to me i'm reclaiming it right yeah i'm taking it back and you know your listeners might not realize it up to this point but i was i was mute for years i didn't speak i was very timid mm-hmm. shy mm-hmm. very fearful crippling like the fear just crippled me to the point of like taking away opportunities for me because i every little thing overwhelmed me and just gave me anxiety right but in 2018 i started working on myself to like mm. overcome that yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so for me as we are speaking about my story it was for me to produce that one time and put it out there because i felt that i needed to say to women and people girls and boys who have gone through you know traumatic experience to let you know to let you know that you are not what you've gone through that was my main goal Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. to say that you have life after your horrible experience you have life after your traumatic experience and you are not to be labeled you're not what you've gone through because people like to say I know sometimes when I come across people oh the chokoshi girl I am not. Mm, I am mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm, My name mm-hmm. is Brigitte. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, the girl who was raped. No, she's not. The guy who was, you know, uh, abused. No. Mm-hmm. We have names. Sure. We have a name. Yeah. And that is what I wanted to put across. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah. So so we've flown over oceans and now we're in different places. So let me ask you this. Why the where? So what brings you to the UK at this certain time? Ah, the UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I left my job with Refined Creative in October. And, mm-hmm. you know, I felt... I got to a point where I was not being productive. I was not being beneficial to the team, to the story, to my clients. So I felt it was time for me to move on, right? Mm-hmm. With no plan B. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't do this. As okay. you're listening, don't do this with no plan <laughs> B. But then, <laughs> but then I took it to the I took it to the Lord in prayer. I was like, you know what? I, I know you spoke to me. You told me to do this. I've done it. What next? Um, and so a lady friend of mine, uh, we've been friends for years. She asked, you know, what was I doing for the holidays? And would I like to, would I like to come and stay with them for the holidays or and, and stay longer? Right. So I was like, okay, coming to the UK, I will take this as an opportunity to avail myself to the, to, you know, anything that may come, um, I may come across, that may come my way. And so I came to the UK as a way of like launching into a new level of my life or a new, a new experience. Um, I've lived here before, but this time as a professional, as mm-hmm. a documentary film producer, director, it's a different mindset. And mm-hmm. also somebody who has kind of grown you know, emotionally, spiritually, personally, mm-hmm. <laughs> professionally. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely in a different mindset. 
Um, I speak more now because the day I landed, I had I spoke to um, documentary MA students in a university. Oh wow! But, yeah. Oh, good for you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I just I came for new opportunities. Um, uh-huh. You know, the world is our oyster, I sure. should say. So. Sure. 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 <laughs> so I like that you said that you know you've come and you've grown because that you realized that you were stagnant in your role. You know, that takes a lot because people stay and spin their wheels. And I think COVID has helped people to realize, you know, I don't want to I just don't want to waste time or or be in some kind of situation that's not what I feel is truly who I am. So that you were able to do that. That's kudos, you know, and and trust that that the story would would play itself out in a beneficial way and a more beneficial way. Yeah, you know what, Florence, to be honest with you, uh, when you've experienced difficulties in life and you've gone through a large part of your life where people are just making decisions for you because Mm -hmm. you feel lost, Mm -hmm. you feel, you know, like you're drowning all the time, you get to a point where you're just like, you know what, enough is enough. I need to explore this life for myself. Mm -hmm. And, And that's where I think I was. And I... I've done crazy things before, but this was so difficult for me because I didn't have any other income, mm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like take this time to speak to those who even maybe at the edge of making a decision or trying to make a decision. I know it's scary, but like when your heart is in it, when it's your calling, when it's your purpose, you will find your way and I don't want to cry. I'm a bit emotional. I'm an emotional girl. I'm just going to put that <laughs> out there. But like, it's the, you know, the world is for us to live, not for you to live it for somebody. You have to live it for you. And for me, I want to live in my purpose. I want to live in who I've been alive to live, right? Because I say alive because I've um, experienced near-death accident like four times. Mm. And I'm still here. And I feel mm-hmm. like, okay, now is the time, B, to start pursuing, you know, that life for yourself. And I think that's why I was able to, in the midst of the, the, the anxiety, the fear, the resistance, I was able to push through and make that decision. And also like somebody who is coming through people pleasing, mm-hmm. um, it might mm-hmm. be difficult for some of you because you, oh, I don't want to make this person sad upset or you know i don't want to come across ungrateful honey it's your life yeah yeah i was having um a chat with a friend earlier today and they sent me an article that's in newsweek and i was like oh kudos nice ink and he was like oh you know i felt kind of like it was a bit gauche to send send that to you because it's something that's quote unquote not done and i had to write back and say you know what all that about not tooting your own horn, that's a thing of the past because particularly because he's in a he's in this global health role and a place where people need to know what you're doing. So like the idea of being too humble, you know, you can't, you know, talk about what you're doing. That's a thing of a past. Like I really just like you said, you if you don't talk about yourself, who will? Yeah, exactly. But you know, majority of black I, because I was in a Zoom yesterday of like CEOs in tech and business. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I learned so much from that Zoom um, meeting. And now a few of the guests said something that's so profound. We Blacks, 
us, right? Mm-hmm. We the, the imposter syndrome is like deeply in us because we mm-hmm. are brilliant, we are good, mm-hmm. but then it's like because of our history, we have to, you know, do 10 times more to be able to be seen. You know, we are in a world of like, you know, we are the minority. But the thing is, it's okay. Like you're saying, like, we have to start creating those spaces mm-hmm. and those environments for us Blacks to encourage each other and one another to say that, look, you are good. You are brilliant. Okay, mm-hmm. no, this is not so great. I know you can do better. Or, okay, forget what that person said. You you know, just give it a try or give it a go. You know, and I think that's holding us back a lot as, yeah. as Black people and yeah. as... Yeah. I just wanted to, yeah. Yeah, so so l- listeners, if you're doing something good, let, let people know because we, we, need to know. Know. we need to be tooting everybody's horn that's doing something that's manifesting a new world. Like that's that's my passion because we are in dire need of a new world to be manifested. <laughs> yes, we are. And I'm, I'm for being in charge of your narrative. The, mm. the Black community, the Africans, mm-hmm. you know, we need to own our narrative. We need to start we have started, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, we're just going to, mm-hmm. you know, get better and grow and, and, and get to the next level. So I'm just going to take this time to, yes, encourage one another to, mm-hmm. to try as much as possible, you know, to, to pitch what you want to see. Don't let yes. anybody who do not know the environment in which you're working tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of our tech people, mm-hmm. like when they go in the, you know, the pitching rooms, they get talk, talked down mm-hmm. and, and make them seem like they don't know what they are talking about. They, but they do know what they are talking about. Mm-hmm. They live in these communities. They live in these environments. And so we, I just hope that we gain that confidence, continue to gain that confidence, to stand straight and say, you know what? And I, I respect your opinion. I see where you're coming from, but I know what I'm talking about. Right. I have the data here. Right. I have the facts here. Exactly. And then, you know, yeah. Take it from there. That. Yeah, nice. So let's talk about what we hear. So you mentioned you're on a, a Zoom call with some CEOs and certain communities. Yes. This is where I want to ask you my global speak question. So this is where I want to ask you if you would share a word or phrase or saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as Glocal speak. So I know you're new to the UK. So I think you can you can choose from any number of your local experiences to to share. Wow. Um I do love, and this is very common, but I do love and now live in it. The world is your oyster. You know, mm. I think when the moment I said it earlier, I, it, it really does resonate with me. Because mm-hmm. I was being held back, mm. but now I, I stand here, I sit here, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's something that really rings clear in my mind and in my ear. The world, there's, it's a vast world, and with so many opportunities. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's what I would say. It's the, the world, world is your oyster to explore. <laughs> Take advantage, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the projects that you worked on and and how, you know, from a business perspective, like you mentioned, you know, you took a leap in moving on from working with Refine Creative. I want to kind of 
rewind a little bit and understand a little bit more about the business of structuring and producing documentaries, particularly because you've done your own. And we know that funding is job one and then finding the right team is job two. So, or or they're both together as job, job A, basically, let's call it that. So tell us a little bit more about the experience of putting together a team and finding the funding to do documentary film work. Okay. So I'll be brutally honest and say the team was put together for me, um, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> both in my personal production and then with refined creative. Sure. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I think I will speak from working, how important is it working with a team or, you know, to, to produce an impactful story or mm-hmm. um, an, inspiring, an inspiring story, an inspirational mm-hmm. story. Everybody's voice matters on the team. And, but what is more important for me and for what the projects I've worked on is the voice of the talents, the voice of the person whose stories we are telling, even mm-hmm. if it's a corporate video we did for um, Think Tank in Ghana. At the end of the day, it's their story, the organization's story. What are they saying? What do they want to put out there? And then, yes, we are being hired for our uh, professional expertise, but they are the holder of the story. I always say that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the people are the holder of the story. The individual is the holder of the story. So we collaborate. Mm -hmm. Um, What I love about Refined Creative that they do is with initial conversation, we send you a brainstorming sheet, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. on that, you tell us, I'll just say a couple of things. Why do you think your story should be told? Who has told it before? And uh, who are your audience? And who will be likely to speak your vision across, right? So I love that. And we collaborate with the clients or the, um, the people on, on that brainstorming document. Uh, we go back and forth and, and then develop it. It is from that document that we take it into our SOW, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, come put together the story breakdown um, with the budget and, you know, objective and then the budget. Mm-hmm. And from there, we on the team um, with Refine Creative, we typically go into research. You know, what are some of the key themes, topics, or if it's an individual, if it's um if it's an orphanage, what what is the message that we want to get across? Who will be the, the children who will speak to this, but keeping it dignifying, right? Mm-hmm. Being able, because it is it is difficult to work with pro, um it's not difficult, but we have you have to be strategic when you work with children, as you know for yourself mm-hmm. on the children's production. So for me, how I come in is with the emotional part of it, with the connecting with the character bit of it and, you know, speaking with the team on this isn't that. So mm-hmm. collaboration is key to producing an inspirational story or an impactful story or a great story, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. And when it, was, when it comes to uh, my stolen childhood, um, when the lady, when Angela pitched it um, and used my story as the protagonist, she was very clear on, I was very clear with her on being part of the story, mm-hmm. being part of the pre-production, the production, and the post. Well, of course, I have to be part of the production because I 
presented it. But and <laughs> and post, like yeah. post was number one. Florence, I sit with you. I sit here and I tell you some of the things that happened in post, if I hadn't been in the room, it wouldn't have turned out a certain way. Yeah. And not to say mm-hmm. anything with the team, it's because, you know, when you're dealing with a, sub- a certain subject that you may not live or you're not in the country of the origin of, of the, the subject or the story, it's important to learn as much as possible the context. Yes. And the, yes, the context of the, the issue. Mm-hmm. And because I, even though I lived there as a child, but I did a research on it as my dissertation. And I know the dynamic of people in the in Ghana and in Togo. So I'm like, yeah, you can't say that. Um, no, we can't put that image over this soundbite. And I did. Mm. I had to. Mm-hmm. And I was so blessed with the team because they understood it. And I think, to be honest with you, I think it was because I needed to have that experience to be able to do what I'm doing now. Because right now I'm putting together who I am as a storyteller, mm. who will be my client. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much interested in narrative transportation stories, mm. stories that would draw in the audience. Mm-hmm. And that means being sensitive to terms, to imagery, to sound. And that is really what I'm, that's one of my specialties. And mm. I don't know what I'm, what I'm asking for is common, but I am going to create that role for myself, mm. which is story producer, director, being just solely focused on the story. I was told by a mentor that I may, it may be difficult for me to find work you know, being so niched, but I believe in anything. I believe, (laughs) I believe God can do anything. And I believe it's possible for me to have that specialty because it's needed, especially telling African stories. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Do you think that that kind of grew a little bit out of the fixer roles that you worked on at all, or just this generally out of the experience of working on documentary? The experience of being filmed at seven years old. Mm. The expe- mm. Yes, the experience, mm. because when I watch it, even, yeah, when I watch it without even like a production uh, um, lenses, mm-hmm. I can see that there are some images that I wouldn't, I'm not proud of, and I will not readily available. I, I will not be, I will not readily, you know, show it to you. Oh, Florence, go and Google, um, mm-hmm. go and watch, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. CBS, um, 60 minutes, Chokoshi, you know, mm-hmm. because I wasn't, there are some things I'm not so thrilled about. Yeah. And because the way it made me felt like it made me, the way it made me feel when at 19 years old, I rewatched the video that really stood to me. It stood out for me. And knowing that I want to produce my own um, story because I can then control the imagery and the yeah, sound. Yeah. And the, so that's yeah. where that came out of like being story producer, director and, sure. you know, Emmanuel believing in me and, and pushing me to go for that. Sure. Um, I now love it. I now see, I now see why yeah. I was able to be given such a great 
team to produce my stony childhood such mm-hmm. a great uh, production company as refined creative to start work to start my career with mm-hmm. because we've produced on i've i've been part of over 10 15 productions mm-hmm. um with refined creative so yes Mm, that's awesome (laughs) hey so let me ask you this we have what we call our mindset hack and I think uh, this is a good point to ask that question so what is your favorite or innovative mindset hack now this is one that you can imagine or one that you know of okay I learned something (laughs) that pertains to I think every aspect of my life now is you can't always wait for those who hurt you to come back and help you through your healing process. Mm. And you can't, so it's, it's almost like you can't wait around and let people do things for you or have people and expect people to do things for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment I, le- I actually learned that in therapy mm. mm-hmm. and I do a fit. I was like, no, I didn't have any, any part in in, in what happened to me as a child this should like this should come back and say and, and apologize like they they should take responsibility and it's she's like she's like no you you have to take risk okay so that my hack is you have to take responsibility for your own personal growth for mm-hmm. your own actions for your own inaction for your own uh healing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that as much as it will hurt listening to it or hearing my therapist say that after a couple of days or after a week it really gives me strength embracing that yeah because it is true yeah. I think the moment she said that give me that analogy was when I started was when I availed myself to in the healing like being mm-hmm. able to like I settled in like I I, I relaxed in the healing process because mm. up until that point, I was still waiting for somebody to come in, you know, apologize or say, you know, help me go through the process. And it's like, no, you're on your own now. Yeah. You have, you have, to, you have to decide for yourself what kind of life do you want to live? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a good one because there's a, you know, there's a lot of trauma and a lot of blame game going around. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you don't always have access to the the source of your trauma, the causes of the trauma. So yeah, yeah it makes perfect sense that it's taking responsibility is, is the starting point, you know, for, for how you want to feel, right? Like yeah. not for what yeah. happened to you, obviously, but for yeah. how you want to feel, how you want to live your life, how you want to be and present yeah. In, yeah. in the world. I, yeah, and to be clear, taking that responsibility, coming to that realization does not devalue what you've gone through. It does not mm-hmm. belittle what you've gone through. It's it's saying I am more than being sitting here and feeling sorry for myself. I am powerful. I am able to have a healthy life, a vibrant life, a positive life. And so that decision is for you because the world needs you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to be your best self. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm big on mental health. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. We always mm-hmm. yes. Same here. Like we we need it. We need people to yeah. talk about it, share about it, mm-hmm. and direct people to resources on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So we've talked about you and your professional life and all of those good, good experiences, but tell us a little bit more about who you are when you're not working. And I usually ask the question, are you a reader, a watcher, or are you a listener to get that conversation started? Which one are you? <laughs> I'm not going to be fair to your listeners, but um, <laughs> I, I'll try my best. Okay. I can't choose one. Okay. Cannot choose one. I I'm a watcher because I'm a documentary producer, oh, you know, film producer. Yes. I everything mm-hmm. I watch now, it's 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 fortunate and unfortunate. I don't know if it's uh, I don't my fellow production people, we don't I can't watch a film with a relaxed mindset anymore. I watch mm-hmm. it to steady, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm a watcher of documentary mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. And in the last few months, I've taken uh, on reading but reading on self-development and Mm-mm. your uh, positive and and restructuring your mind or mm-hmm. like healing of your mind and soul mm-hmm. so I've been you know I, I love reading mm-hmm. I love I love reading so what are yeah. some of what are some of your first of all some of your favorite documentaries or or best studies in the documentary world I've, I'm gonna say this and I I, I hope Netflix and watch it and then go come back to me and be like, Bridget is crazy. I watched this documentary. It's a Nigerian documentary called Awon Boys. And oh. it's a it's um street boys, actually. The word Awon is streets, forgot which language, but it's on it's about street boys and the uh-huh. hood and the lifestyle that they live. Hmm. And I watched I watched it with such an open mind, even though the production to me is not so high quality, mm-hmm. but like the story, when I watched it, what I, I could picture myself that being produced in different parts of the world. Mm. Because mm-hmm. for me, as you know, like stories of like heart stories is what I live for. Mm-hmm. And so stories like that, I would love to just spend two months with, you know, maybe one or two characters on the streets in the slum there and like learn about who they are as people you know what the documentary did was they interviewed a lot of um the boy the men living in that condition Mm -hmm. but what i you know with with the human narrative aspects of it what i would have loved is choose one or two characters and then follow their Mm -hmm. life for Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. three months uh for like a month or two or or three months and then bring it together and then just like humanize their story and who they are and not just like the condition under which they live, but just like humanize them, mm, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, I watched that and I watched The Creative Brain. I love that. You the Creative Brain? Yes. Okay. It's amazing. That's also on Netflix, right? Yes. That's also on Netflix. Okay. Because you're listening, majority of them are global citizens. They can get on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, both films, both documentaries are on on Netflix. Okay. Um, Yes. Yeah. Love the creative brain. Oh, it's amazing. Okay. Okay, good. And then so in terms of speaking of brain and you you said you're (laughs) you're reading more about, you know, brain development and things like that. What are some of the books that you can recommend or share with us? Not so so much specific brain development, but like, I think, Maybe healing of, okay. of mind, sure. spirit, mm-hmm. and, and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my big mouth, 
by That's Joyce the... Meyer. Okay. <laughs> Woman Evolve by Sarah Jakes Roberts. Uh-huh. Okay. And I watched because I believe I'm gonna like live my purpose and be just like anything will ha- will work out for me. I read uh, Crazy Faith mm. by Michael mm-hmm. Todd. Okay. And it's you know, it's it's just positive affirmation, like speaking, having high hope, mm-hmm. right? And working towards it, putting together your vision and working, you know, working towards it, but believing that God is going to, you know, you and I, like the way we met, and then my my Airbnb host, he's a documentary producer as well. Like oh, wow. believing that, yes, believing that, you know, things are going to align for you, sure. right? People sure. are going to come in your life and you're going to strike conversation that will lead to co- collaboration. And just having that, me, I'm really big on yeah. Faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 and hope. So nice. yes, those three books, what I'm reading right now. And, you know, a more heavy one is uh, Heating of the Soul. It's also by Joyce Meyer. Um, okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Healing so we have some, some real in-depth reading to catch. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of Rajit. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I will send you um, the proper, like, titles and the author and um so can you can put it in the description yeah i will listen thank you you know the drill we like to have good show notes (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) all right well rajit this has been so awesome thank you for your bright energy and your 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 optimism (laughs) and your uplifting thoughts before we go do you have any last words for our listeners (sighs) <sighs> wow last thoughts for listeners <laughs> I like mm. that exhale that was a nice one <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say to you I believe in you mm. so believe in yourself mm-hmm. um, I say I believe in you because from my experiences um, it's difficult to believe in yourself sometimes mm-hmm. um, it would take someone to come to you it, it take someone you know to say, I believe in you, for you to take a step back and say, okay, what do they believe? What do they see? Let me, you know. Mm-hmm. Understand. Work, mm-hmm. Yeah, let me mm-hmm. let me evaluate myself and see what they see or work towards in seeing what they see. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. sometimes it takes, it takes time. You know, I didn't, I'm still come, like struggling with it, but I didn't believe in myself. And Emmanuel believed in me. My my dad, my sweet father believes in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few friends who believe in me and they say it to me, right? And it encourages me. So I just want to say, if you're listening, since you're listening, I want to tell you that I believe in you. I believe in the projects that you're you're doing, the outline, the, the rough draft, the brainstorming um, documents. Go for it and don't let the little voice inside stop you from pursuing your dreams, your goals and your purpose. Nice. Those are great last words <laughs> and a great way to kind of close out a year of reflections and, yeah. you know, a little bit of tumult, <laughs> but we're all good and good. Uh, and take it into, into 2022. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We're there. Yeah. We're there. We're there. All right, listeners. 
This has been another episode of Glocal Citizens. You can catch us each and every Tuesday with new episodes at www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You know the drill. <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts. So please subscribe. You know what? As a gift to all of us, share. Share, yes. share the podcast. Tell someone about it. And leave us a note, leave us a hi, recommend a guest. We love to hear from you. So until next time, listeners, bye for now. Bye.